go to where we left off, I think, two weeks ago, was in um, James chapter 1. James chapter 1 says, count it all joy. When you fall into a hole. Parapipto, when you fall into a hole. Sometimes you've been falling in that same hole for a long time because we don't need new, new ways to fail. We've pretty much succeeded on the old ones, right? We just know how to, how to mess up. And so, so we're not looking for a new way. How about, how about we say it this way? We found we don't need new ways to miss the mark. You know, that's what sin means, hamartia, to miss the mark. So we don't need new ways to miss the mark. Uh, what we need to do is find a, a new path. And so and he says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials, knowing that the trial of your faith, your faith is on trial. Did you know that? Like you're not trying faith, faith is trying you. And so that the trial of your faith being what? Being more precious than monetary gain. The most important thing you have is your faith. The most important thing that you, and the one thing that will determine your whole future is your faith. It's like I talked to the, the cardiologist the other day when I was in there and he was trying to talk me into doing some things and I said, no. I said, what I found out is whatever I, whatever I speak about, I give life to. And he looked at me straight. I said, so I don't want to give any life to any of this. I'm walking out of here and forgetting, forgetting all about you guys. I'll see you in a few years, right? So, so but, and I told him this. I said, I'm, I'm going to hang around with people uh, in their 30s and 40s. Because when I get with older people, they have organ recitals. You know what I mean? Well, I got this wrong, I got that wrong, I got the other thing. And so, so I really thought that until I hung around with some younger people. And I found out that they have ants too. Automatic negative thoughts. Ants. You got ants in your pants. Automatic negative thoughts. And so just this morning, we were getting on the elevator, and the guy comes out of the room, I said, he said, how do you like it here? I said, I love this soundproof building. He said, well, it's like that right now. I'm thinking, buddy. <laughs> but that's the way of the world. So it doesn't matter what age group. You need to find people of like precious faith. Find people that are going to speak the word of God and not doubt and unbelief. So he said, count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into diverse temptation, test and trial. The trial of your faith will produce what? Patience. Uh, how many of you are just waiting on that? Patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you'll be complete. How many of you would like to be complete? Entire and lacking in nothing. You know, we talk about perfection and in the spirit we are, but God's after progress. It's not about getting perfect. It's about making progress. And sometimes progress is two steps forward and one step back. It's not quitting and not caving in because, oh, I tried it and I failed. No, you keep trying. So, so he says, but then he says here, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives, gives it without fault. That's a starting point with God is you don't have any fault with him. He doesn't find fault with you. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking this thing out. There's no fault. No fault guarantee. So it's kind of like you're starting down the road and you're walking along pretty good and then you fall into a hole. And so then you climb out the hole and you determine that you're not ever going to do that again and then you walk down the road again and you fall into the same hole. 
And you're thinking, well, I'm not ever going to do that again. So then you do it a third time. And this time you're saying, I'm just going to get close. But you end up falling in the hole. And then four times you're falling in a hole. And finally, finally, you get you go to God and you ask him, why is this happening? And he'll give you wisdom. He'll tell you, take another path. Right? No, no, if you keep doing what you've always done, you keep getting what you've always had. Einstein said you can never change the situation that you're in by the same, uh, by the same reasoning that got you there. So something different has to happen. And I'm reminded of when, uh, you know, I remember one time uh, I had two business partners, Phil Wasson and Dan Murray, and uh, they came and joined the gym with me. The gym is a great illustration because the gym has mirrors there. And the mirrors are not so that you can admire yourself. The mirrors are there so that you can correct your form. That's why the Bible says, look into the mirror of the Word of God. And when you see that things are messed up, you don't run away from the mirror and say, oh, God. No, you you make, you change, you just change form. But this is something else. You can't do it on your own. You've got to let somebody come and bring you correction. Somebody can bring you instruction. If no one can tell you what to do and nobody can tell you anything, then you're going to stay stuck in those destructive habits. And that's what he really said when he said, you know, Colonel. He's saying, you're operating under the sense realm and what you're doing keeps causing you problems, but nothing changes. So anyway, these guys joined and because they're business guys. They said there was an 18-month deal for the same price as a year. So they bought the 18-month deal, and I don't know where they went after that. <laughs> no, no. But those are the guys. They don't wear out the equipment. They don't use up the facilities, the showers. Those are the people that gym, gym people love. There's no wear and tear on the stuff. Just take your money and see you later. But in order to succeed in that, you're either going to have to go get a trainer or, or go get a buddy. Somebody that you're accountable to. Now, Pastor Paul and I, we met at Coal Harbor Place, Five thirty, four times a week for like I don't know how many years, but you always went because you didn't want to let your, you didn't want to let your buddy down, yep. right? But then after we moved on, he went and did the spin class and the other things. I already had the habit firmly established then, and so I didn't need anybody to. I still needed the mirrors, you know. You still need to to correct your form and do things like that, but but. I, I got to the place where I could actually do it without help. And really, self-help is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as self-help. You can, no, no. You know, being a Christian is impossible. No, no. Being a Christian is impossible to do unless you get a hold of God and God will do it for you. And so do it through you, rather. I think in John chapter 6, verse 19 or 29 or something, he said, this is the work. This is the work of you. This is the work of you to believe on me who has been sent to you. The only work you got to do is believe. I'm going in another direction. Oh God! But but, but no, it's it's like if you read uh, if you read Proverbs eighteen twenty one, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it eat the fruit that it bears. Well, that's that's true, but it's the cart before the horse. What do you mean by that? Well. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, they believed and spoke, we also believe and speak. And so so, so Deuteronomy 18.21, if, if I'm speaking, making a confession and I don't believe it, that's not how faith comes. I, what I speak in faith is what produces for me. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I want to read, I, I don't know if I read this before or not. I, I know I read it last, last week up in, up in uh, New Glasgow, but I'd like to read to you from uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know you not, now this, this, this will slap you down. Know you not that the unrighteousness, that, that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. There, you're all disqualified. No, but if you don't read the next verse, you, you got to read the next verse. The next verse, what does it say? And such were some of you, but you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So that's you. It doesn't matter what happened before that. That's you. Amen to that. Come on. You just need to see the difference between the law and grace. Well, um, in, in Exodus chapter 3, there's a story about Moses showing up at the burning bush. And, um, and uh, it's interesting when you really look at that story. He, first of all, he turns aside to see the bush that it didn't burn. And yet he ignored God that was speaking out of the bush. It was actually Jesus was speaking out of the bush. He's called the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord, you can read in Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible says that he didn't take on tight the, the ministry of angels, but when, he, when it says the angel of the Lord, he, it was him. How do you know? Because in verse 4 it says, and God spoke to him out of the fire. So he, so he is there, right? And what does he say? He says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Fast forward to, to Luke chapter 15, or is it Matthew chapter 15? Luke 15, the prodigal son comes home and he says, put shoes on his feet. So the law, take it off, the grace, put it on. Put a robe on him, a robe of righteousness. Crown him with loving kindness. Put, come on, put a ring on his hand. Kill the fatted calf. We're opening up a covenant. This is the way that it's supposed to work. John chapter 3, Nicodemus. You know, he's really telling, he's, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you need to be refathered. You know, you need to know God is your father. They had, they had Abraham as their father. They had Moses as their father. They didn't have the concept of, of God their father until Matthew 6 and verse 9 when he said, I'll show you how to pray. Our father. Right in heaven. That must have short-circuited those guys. He's your father. He's your father. So then he tells Nicodemus, he said, like Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, like Moses held up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So what he was saying was they had to look, think about what they had to do. They had to look away from the snake bite and look onto the cross. And it's the same with you and I. We look away from the snake bite Look away from the law and look to his grace, his grace. And, and if you look at his grace, he'll be lifted up in your life. If I be lifted up. Amen. How about Matthew chapter 17? 
After six days, he was called up into the mountain, apart, a mountain of his own, and he took with him Peter, James, and John, right? And so he's got these three guys with him, the three disciples, and very particular who he took with him. And um, the, the next thing that happened was uh, Moses and Elijah appeared unto him to talk about his, his, his death. And so Moses represented the law, and Elijah represented the prophets, and so they were both there. And, of course, you know, there's uh, Peter, and it must have, I have the idea it might have been around uh, the, the festival of Sukkot Tabernacles because he said, let's build three tabernacles here, one for you, one for you, and one for you, and let's just stay right here. And a voice spoke out from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. You know, the first time he said that to him was at his water baptism. Before he had a chance to do anything, he said, this is my beloved son. When you got water baptized, God said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. Before you ever had a chance to do anything right or wrong, he declared you that. He declared you that. That's who you are. So anyway, so, so you got, you know, so then it says that, um, you know, a voice spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. I mean, when they looked at him, he was totally glorified. He was ablaze. And then when they looked again, uh, Moses and Elijah were gone, right? And all that was left was Peter, James, and John. Peter, the rock. Um, James Yaakov, the chiseler, the cheater, the guy that was in between and wrestled with the Lord all night. And then, of course, John representing the grace of God. So the law and the prophets vanished and there was nothing left, nothing left but the rock, the grace of God. And my Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, that the rock that followed them was Christ. Nancy was talking on Thursday night about being hid in the, hidden in the cleft, the cleft of the rock. The rock was Christ. That's why when Moses hit him, hit, hit that rock the second time, it disqualified him from going into the promised land. Well, the fact is he could never go into the promised land anyway because the law, the law won't take you. Only faith will take you where you need to go. Only faith. Matthew chapter 8, how about the story of the centurion? You know, he comes to Jesus and he said, he said, my servant is sick. Just speak the word only and he'll be healed. And this is what he said to the man. He said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, right? Then you go over, I think it's in Luke 15. Is it Luke 15, the Syrophoenician woman? Or is it Matthew 15? Could somebody look? I'd like to know. I want to have a drink here. See the hallelujah. All symptoms go for me now in Jesus' name. Is it Luke? Somebody find it? The Syrophoenician woman. Matthew, Matthew 15? Okay, okay, so Jesus said, I, I didn't come to give the bread, the children's bread, to dogs. She said, well, uh, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. He turned to her and said the same thing. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. But the reason why he saw that is they were both Gentiles. They didn't know the law. All they knew was they heard about Jesus, and, and that's why they had such great faith. If they had heard about the law, they thought, well, I'll never qualify for this. But they hadn't. And so that's very important to you and I to, to know that it's your faith that produces for you. Again, like Deuteronomy 18, 20, and 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Well, But I can't speak. I can't. 
if I put the cart before the horse, I, I, I'm making a confession uh, out of my carnal self that won't produce anything. But if I, if I get over to 2 Corinthians 4.13, um, where, where he said, they believed and spoke, we also believe and speak. And so it's about believing what you say. And so then if, if I go back to Deuteronomy 20, 18, 21, it's what I believe is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about something hoping that it'll happen for me. It's what I believe. And what I believe is based on what I know from the Word of God. And what I know from the Word of God is I've been forgiven. I, I've got right standing with God, my Father, through my Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Mark eleven twenty three yeah well that's a good one because he said he said whosoever will say to this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea don't don't in your heart believe the things that you say will come to pass you can have whatsoever you say Ooh. whatsoever things you desire when you pray believing you receive them they shall be delivered unto you the only catch there is verse twenty five. He said, if, you don't forgive, if I don't forgive Sharon, then he's not going to forgive me. And really, you know, the Bible says, in, I think in Romans 14, that anything that's not of faith is sin. And again, the word sin is freaky, isn't it? Sin, sin. No, it means missing the mark. You're missing the mark. I was at the range the other day for the first time in a while. And for the first little while, I was missing the mark until I got familiar with this weapon of mass destruction that I was using. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I don't even play paintball. I, my guns will never be aimed at another human being. I, I only do it because I enjoy target practice, okay? So, so if you're watching by TV or whatever, your live stream, um, yes, I am a gun nut. I like guns. Hallelujah, they make big noise. Anything that makes big noise. Ask Pastor Paul. <laughs> he, li he likes big noise. <laughs> no, no, sometimes he's so funny in your outdoor voice. I'm thinking you're, you, you use your outdoor voice all the time. <laughs> no, it's, it's real fun when you watch from home, you know, because you, you just... <laughs> <laughs> been doing that since the day I met you, man, whacking on those things. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where I was going there, so I got to go find some notes because I got way off of what I had planned to say. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to go back to I'm going to go back to Romans chapter seven when Paul had his dilemma. He said, "The thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I want to, don't want to do, I always find myself doing." So, so then he, it's kind of like when you read Corinthians chapter six. If you don't read the next verse, you're sunk. So there, so. So his continuation of thought, because anytime you see it, therefore, you know that it's, it, they put the chapter in, but it wasn't a chapter. It was a continuation. He said, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I always find myself doing. Who can save me from this mess? And so then he gets, therefore, 
there is now. Everybody say now. now. Because we know it's the word noon. Noon means present tense. It's always present when you say now. It's now. It updates itself now. So now, right now, right now, right now, there is no. Not, and, and I love the word no because it's udos and it means not one single. Not anything. Not one single thing. Not one single thing. And, and it's really what he said in, in uh, verse 31 of this chapter 2, he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? What shall we say to these things? He said, I think it's 831. What shall we say to these things? What are things? Anything. What shall we say to these things? Accusing voices, for example. What I have learned in my life over this past few months is that every decision brings division. So it doesn't matter what I decide to do. Somebody's going to like it and somebody's going to get upset with it. So I decided I'm just going to be led by the Lord. And I've, and I've gotten to the place, I've gotten to this place where I don't care what you think. I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I would like it if you like me, but if you don't like me, it doesn't change me at all. I'm really, all that matters to me is, is am I, I know that I'm right with God. I don't have to ask myself if I'm right with God. I know I'm right with God, even if I'm having a wrong day. Romans 5.17 is still at work with me. The gift of righteousness, I can still reign in life. And I'm telling you, real freedom doesn't start until you don't care that you've got no, no, but listen, if, if you know who you are, you've got nothing to prove. I don't have to be anybody. I don't have to be anybody. I don't have to pastor a church. I don't, I don't have to be anybody to, to be, to, to be at peace with God. And when you get like that, instead of, well, I got to, no, no works. You can get into works so easy. You know, it's the cross plus. No, it's the cross plus or minus nothing. Nothing. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to do anything. You just need to enjoy your God. Yeah. And you don't have to. You get to. Don't say, I have to do anything. Take that out of your vocabulary. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to do a single thing. You know, I get up this morning, I read my Bible, but if I don't do it tomorrow morning, it's not going to change me. I'm not going to get all bummed out and say, well, I failed at that. Because that's back into works again. I'm reading the Bible because I want to, not because I have to. Oh, I got to do that now. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. There are things in your life that really need to change, but the change agent is the Holy Ghost. You know, he doesn't want you falling in that same hole all the time. He wants you to take a different path. But in order to do that, somebody will need to, to walk with you. Somebody will need to correct you. Like, it's kind of like going on a diet. I'm going to lose weight. Well, you might for a little while. But then, then if, if, if you're left on your own, you'll give up after a little while because, well, I failed. Why, why don't I just quit? No, that's what you do. All You, you need to realize that I made one, two, one step forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. But it's about my progress, and God is there to help me. God will walk this out with me. I'm not walking this out by myself. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He said, so he says here, no, he said, there is now no condemnation, condemnation, and that's the word katakrima. And it means, but think about all of your punishment was laid upon Jesus. 
Every bit of it. He said, you've not been appointed unto wrath. Like we know this for sure. We know that Jesus is coming for the church on Rosh Hashanah. We don't know what, what year it'll be, but he's coming at the sound of the trumpet for the church. And then seven years later, he's coming on Yom Kippur for, for the Jews. And, and we, we just we, that, that's an established deal. We, we're sure of that. So, again, it, it, nobody knows the day or the hour, but you, you do know the season. And the season is the fall festivals. And so, with that in mind... I mean, he came in the spring and, and died at Passover, but when he comes in the fall, he's coming as the scapegoat. So, so yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So all of our punishment was placed on Jesus. And again, I'd like to point out that in the book of Romans, well, I'm not going to go too far in Romans today. I thought I would, but I won't. But you need to know that Romans 5.5 5 says, We've been justified by faith, and we've got right standing with God our Father through the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost is only mentioned once there uh, up until we get to Romans 8. And then it's mentioned 19 times because how I'm to be, to be carnally minded. To be carnally minded is easy. I'm walking by my senses. Yeah. What I think, touch, smell, taste, see. You know, it doesn't look good, so it can't be good. But when I'm walking in the Spirit, it doesn't matter what it looks like, it's subject to change. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as we go back to Corinthians 4.13, you know, where he said, we believe and speak. And then he, when he gets down to verse 18, he said, the things that I'm looking at are temporal. They're all subject to change. How do they change? They change for my good. All things are working together for my good because I've been called according to the Lord and according to his purpose. And because I'm being led by the Spirit, the things of the flesh don't move me. I move over to Ephesians 2.6. I'm seated. I'm already seated in heavenly places in Christ. All I have to do, all I have to do to be a Christian, you have to do something. You get to do. You get to, all you got to do is take your seat. Just sit down. Your works are over. What work am I supposed to do? He said in John uh, 6 and verse 29, believe the one that sent believe the one that was sent to you believe that what he did was all that that all that was all that was necessary you know i knew a guy one time he found out smith wigglesworth got up at four o'clock in the morning and took communion so he started doing that too you know what it worked for smith didn't work for him why because it wasn't a rhema word from god it was just some work if i can just do something you, you, you always feel like oh if i could just do something you don't need to win his approval you already have it come on I chose you and me from before the foundation of the world. So what are you working for? Hebrews 4.11, labor to enter into my rest. Hallelujah. Whew. Hallelujah. I mean, I could stop preaching right now and sit here for 10 minutes and not say a word, and if you didn't like it, it wouldn't matter. Because <laughs> I got nothing to prove. I'm not trying to show you how smart I am. <laughs> I'm not smart anyway. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Galatians 3.13 says, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ being made a curse for me. For it's written, cursed is the one that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. Oh, that blessing of Abraham. Blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. The head and not the tail, above only and never underneath. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Amen.
For what the law could not do, that it was weak in the flesh, God sent his son and sinful flesh, condemning sin in the flesh. So we know the law was perfect, but the the law was the schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. The law was supposed to show you that you can't do it. You can't do it. There's nothing, nothing to do. You know, the Christian life isn't just hard to live. It's impossible. No, but, but Christian, Christianity only works when the Holy Ghost is working in you. Yeah. It's a supernatural ability. Yeah. Without the quickening power of the Holy Ghost, we can't even believe God to receive salvation. You know. That's right. Thank you. Well, let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Can we go there? Would you like to just take a look at it for a minute? Because you need to see how this ends up. And after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bring them up. Remember, James wasn't his real name, so Yaakov. Up into the mountain apart, and they were transferred. He was transfigured. That's the word metamorphosis, metamorpho. So he was transfigured. Before, just like he said to you in Romans 12, too, that you'll be metamorphosed. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your mind. That's the same word. It's the same word in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that you'll be changed from one glory to another into his image. It's the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is not something that the caterpillar decided to do. You know, he got into a cocoon. He got into a good place. And then what happened was a metamorphosis took place and he came out and began to fly, right? Fly like an eagle. But one time this, I read a story about this guy. He, was, he took a razor blade and opened up the cocoon. And the, the butterfly came out looking perfect, but couldn't fly because it didn't exercise muscles to, to develop. The, the, and so... When he says that you're, you know, the trial of your faith is at work, you need to know that your faith is developing muscle. It's kind of like I said last week, there's three things that abide, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love because the end is greater than the means. You know, what we're developing our faith for, what we're developing our hope for, and our hope is L-peace, eager anticipation. We develop those things through things that we desire, and things that we pray for. But the real goal of faith and hope is entering into the love of God. God is love. And perfect love, mature love, casts out fear. There is no fear in love because fear has torment. So if you're being tormented today, it's because because you don't realize how much he loves you. So after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them up into a mountain apart. In the, in the Greek, it says a mountain, of, a mountain of his own. So it wasn't really, you know, if you go to Israel, there's a place there called the Mount of Transfiguration, but it wasn't really there. It was a, a spiritual place. And he was transfigured and metamorphosed before them. And his face, come on, you, you want to know what glory looks like? And his face shone like the sun and his raiment was white like light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto, Je- said unto them, Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We'll make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he yet spoke. Hallelujah. While he yet spoke. 
behold, a bright cloud. This cloud covered them by day and covered them by night. A bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces, and they were sore afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, now this is, the, this is what you need to see. When they lifted up their eyes, they only saw Jesus. It's like if you'll go back to Luke chapter 5, Peter goes on a fishing trip, and he fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus comes along and says, cast your net, launch out into the deep and cast your net on the other side of the boat, and you have a great draft of fish. When, the, when Peter brought that catch of fish in, he's, his words were, get away from me, God, I'm a sinful man, right? That's under the law. When grace came over in John chapter 21, same story. He's out fishing again. This time when he, when, he caught the, when he caught the fish, he knew it was Jesus. The Bible says that he dove in the water and swam ashore. Why? Because the grace. I'm not under that. I'm not that old guy anymore. I'm in the grace of God. And he swims ashore. And then the Bible says something so strange. Because it says that the net didn't break. Glory to God. Because... because He's not under the law anymore. He's under grace. The net didn't break. But then it says that, that Peter pulled the net in by himself, 153 fish by himself. Supernatural something was going on in his life because of the grace of God and the glory of God that was on him. So you, you can see how you can see what, like even over in the book of Acts when Paul the Apostle was you know, he, he comes ashore and a, a snake bites him and he shakes it off into the fire. Why? Because he knows. I'm not looking at the snake, but I'm looking at the cross. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not under the law. I'm walking in the grace of God. Well, this stuff is glory to God. This is, amen. So he's, but when they lifted up, when they lifted up their, look at verse eight. And when he, they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, but Jesus only. You understand? That's all you see. You, you see Jesus only. Hallelujah. Amen. And now we need to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Now Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb are the same place. So if you read Horeb and Sinai, you understand when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, he had to take his shoes off because he was on holy ground, right? And because he was under the law. That's why when you get to the prodigal son, here comes my son, here comes my boy. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. And the Bible says that he ran toward that son when he saw him afar off. He was waiting for this kid to come home. Saw him afar off and ran and fell on his neck. And it says, the, the Bible says that he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him. He didn't care that he smelled like a pig. No, you got to understand that. He, he didn't say, wow, you smell, you better go get cleaned up first. No, he didn't. He embraced him right then. And then what did he say? He said, come, come on home and uh, we're going to kill the fatty calf. Come on home. He said, put shoes on his feet. Put a robe of righteousness on him. Put, clothe him with salvation. Put the ring on his hand. What's the ring represent? The family crest. The, it's the credit card. It's how you buy and sell back in those days. Remember, well, you go with Naaman in the book of Esther. to show you what that ring represented. 
And so he had the family ring, and they had the fatted calf, and they threw a party. I mean, when you think about when you die, if you die before the Lord returns, where are you going? To a wedding feast. You're going to a big party, and it's a seven-year party. God is extravagant. We read about some of the parties in the Old Testament, in particular in the book of Daniel and in the book of Esther. But some of these parties went on for months, months. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you read um, about in John chapter two about the Lord turning the water into wine. You know, the law, the stone, He turns turns it into wine. But then the the governor of the feast comes on and says, "You saved." the very best wine until the last. Well, I read about the prices of wine, really good wine. You can pay $200,000 for a bottle of wine. And he said, you've saved the best for the last. And that party, you know, the, the wedding party went on for about a week. I mean, so, so when you got invited to a wedding, you plan on staying for a few days, right? So plan on staying for a few days with the Lord. Okay. Okay, but here, um, let me see if I can find it over here. I'm getting used to this sitting down stuff. Don't let me get in a habit, okay? <laughs> yeah, verse 18. For you have not come onto the mountain that, that might be touched, which burned with fire, with blackness and darkness and tempest. Remember, they were scared to go anywhere near that mountain. I mean that mountain. That mountain is still to this day got scorch marks on it. So you don't you don't want, you don't want to go there. <laughs> he said, "But we haven't." What he's saying here is, "You're not under the law, for you know." He says, "For you you have not come onto mountains mountain that might be touched that burned with fire, the blackness and the darkest in the tempest, and the sound of the trumpet, and the voice of the words that they heard and treated the word that should not be spoken to them anymore. They plugged up their, I don't want to hear this anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned and thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'm afraid, I'm shaking in my boots. But he said, no, no, but you, you're come to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, unto a heavenly Jerusalem, to, be, to an innumerable company of angels. And think about that in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that angels were sent to minister unto the heirs of salvation. You've got ministering angels that are around you. And matter of fact, that's why he said in Psalm 103, verse 20, that angels hearken unto the voice of God's word. But, but, but. Let them know that you're talking it. Let them know that you're believing it. Yeah. You're speaking it. And when you're speaking it and believing it, you know, we, we also believe and therefore we also speak. When you speak the word of God, they start working on it, working for you. Yeah. So he says, but we come on to Mount Zion, the living, the, li the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Hmm. To the, look at this, to the General Assembly, welcome General Assembly, Amen. and the church of the firstborn, which are in heaven, and to God, the, God, the judge of all, and to the spirit, look at this, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. 
to just men made perfect. So don't let me hear you talking ugly about yourself. I'll slap you and blame it on the medication. <laughs> so the spirits of just men, you need to underline that. You need to highlight it. You need to circle it. The spirits of just men made perfect. And then if you don't think that's good, now how about the next verse? And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, to speaks better things than that of Abel. You know, without the sending of blood, there's no remission for sin. But even Adam, when he messed up, he covered himself with fig leaves, right? Camouflaged himself in the garden and uh, didn't work. Because God said, why are you where you are? And came and found him. But then what did, what did the Lord do right away? He shed the blood of animals and covered him with animals. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. But now that the blood has been shed, now that the blood has been shed, and so, uh, well, we might as well read the rest of this chapter. Seeing that you refuse not him that speaks, for if they escape not who refused him, but that spoke on the earth much more, shall we, if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not the earth, but the heaven only also, and yet once more signifying the re Look at this signifying the removal of things that can be shaken, so uh, the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken will remain. Wherefore, we receive in the kingdom that cannot be removed, let us receive. How do I get this? Let us receive with grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Fire. He consumes sin. He's a f fire, fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you're his. Mm. Hallelujah. You belong to him. Thank you, Jesus. And then, now I'm just going to read um, uh, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10 because I quoted it. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all the fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did he all eat the same spiritual meat, and all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank from the spiritual rock, and the rock that followed them was Christ. So, but again, as long as, you, you know, uh, the Old Testament, we saw how the, the law and the prophets just vanished in the presence of Jesus that doesn't mean that there's not good instruction in there. But what we really need to know is that, that the Bible is progressive revelation. And you cannot get to know God the Father without the revelation of Jesus Christ. So lots of those times people will teach from there and, and study from there. And, and you can have some good history, but you can't get the revelation that comes from knowing that he's your father. And so what we're really after is revelation knowledge, not a history lesson. You know, I mean, I'm glad for what he did through David, and I'm glad through what he did, you know, through some of those guys, and, and they inspire me. But I know that revelation knowledge comes from, he, he, said, he said, ask for wisdom and revelation knowledge. Let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. 
so that you can know the hope of his calling, that you can know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you can know the exceeding greatness of his power working towards you as you believe, the same power, power that raised Christ from the dead, dwelling in you and quickening your mortal body. And when you think about that, the first born again man busted out of hell, defeated death, hell, and the grave. If the first one can do it, the firstborn among many brethren, then whatever is afflicting you, you can break out too. Amen. Yes. Mm. Hallelujah. He'll quicken your mortal body. Quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Quicken. Quickened. Quicken, Lord. Quicken them all, Lord, today. Quicken them. Let them be changed from glory to glory into your image and into your likeness. Let the glory begin to work in their lives even right now. Hallelujah. Let the glory of God stir them up, stir them up, being changed from glory to glory into the image of you, into the very image of you, in the very likeness of you. As many as received him, gave them the power to be children, sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Word of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Many has realized that they've been forgiven. All of creation is groaning in travail right now. All of creation. The earth is a living thing, and it's rebelling against the sin that's on this planet. And they're shaking and moving everywhere. The things that can be shaken will be shaken, so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that he was the head of all principality and power might and dominion, every name that's named, knowing this world, but that which is to come, placed all things under his feet, made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So if all things are under him and you're his body, all things are under you. No, no but, but revelation of that, that's what I said. He said, wisdom and revelation knowledge. It's apocalypse. It's, it's splitting the veil between the seen and the unseen. You need to see this, you, 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 the revelation of who you are in Christ, when that becomes a reality. So look in the mirror, make the adjustments, no condemnation, two steps forward, one step back, work out, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, and get a buddy, get somebody to help you. Get somebody to walk with you. Get a mentor. Get somebody that you're accountable to, whatever it is that you're doing. That's why he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers that they could, so that they could teach you to do the work of the ministry. That's why people think they can go out there and not go to church. You're nuts. You're squirrely. If you think that you can do this on your own, and lots of times the people that are doing it on their own, they're into the book of Revelation. What does this mean? What does that mean? Dear God, you know, read the book Gospel of John first. Read uh, Romans first. Read something. <laughs> Could you tell me what this means? I had uh, some somebody text me. Can you tell me what this means in Revelation chapter five? I said, Dear God, I'm not sure what it means myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not there. Yeah. I'm not there. It's not where I need to be. The, the, the my mirror is found in Paul's writings. Yes. Anything that's not in Paul's writings really doesn't do all that much for me, right? I mean, I'm, of course, James and some of the other guys, but I mean, I'm not going back in the Old Testament to try and learn how to walk in freedom. Again, progressive revelation. My father. I need to know him as my father when I get to know him as my father. Hallelujah. When I understand Galatians 3.13, 
that, that there's no works involved. It's the cross minus nothing. I don't have to do anything. I get some news for you. I don't have to tithe. I get to. Yep. I don't have to give offerings. I get to. Anytime I have to, I'm under the law. Even though tithes and offerings were given before the law, I understand that. I understand that. I'm just saying I don't have to do anything to make myself right with God. I mean, I can still do things wrong and be right with God. As long as I'm established in being right with God. Again, it's like it's like Deuteronomy 18.21. I'm not doing things to get right. I'm doing things like like like... Corinthians 4.13, I believe and I speak because I am right. So what am I speaking? I'm speaking prosperity. I'm speaking blessing. Not, not trying to get it because I already got it. I'm talking it because, because it's mine and I'm claiming it without a penny in my pocket. I'm declaring that he supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can't talk me out of it. You cannot talk me out of it because I know him. I used to know about him, but now I know him. Knowing about him is good, but knowing him is so awesome. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So I have one more thing to say. God loves you. Period. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.